0: Ephesians six twenty one through 24. Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, may you open up your word to our hearts, and may you open up our hearts to your word. Plow up the hard places and plant seeds of the gospel. I pray that you would use this scripture and this message to cultivate Christian, deep Christian friendships. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there was a recent court case in West Palm Beach that actually went to the Florida Supreme Court, and maybe you saw this. There was controversy because a judge and one of the lawyers on the case were friends on Facebook, and the question was whether this was a conflict of interest, and whether or not being friends on Facebook constituted uh, being real friends and, and whether the judge would be partial or impartial because a Facebook friend was on the other side of, of the bench. Well, this went all the way to the Florida Supreme Court. And in November, the Florida Supreme Court ruled this, said the establishment, there's, this is kind of like legalese, but just just follow if you can. The establishment of a Facebook friendship does not objectively signal the existence of the affection and esteem evolved in a traditional friendship. Facebook friendship exists on an even broader spectrum than traditional friendship. Traditional friendship varies in degree from greatest intimacy to casual acquaintance. Facebook friendship varies in degree from greatest intimacy to virtual stranger or complete stranger kids, I know that was hard to follow because I didn't even understand it. But what he's saying basically is that just because you're friends on Facebook doesn't actually friends in real life. We all have this experience on Facebook and other social media where someone who's a friend of a friend, friend requests us. And some of us, now what I do is I just don't respond. I don't reject the friend request and I don't approve it. I just leave it for years in my friend request inbox and just leave it there. I don't know who this person is, uh, but sometimes I'll, I'll approve this random person, have no idea who they are. and We are Facebook friends, but I don't know, if I saw them in person, I would, I would have no idea who they are. And all of this has made friendship even more confusing in our culture. Friendship is a really confusing thing in our culture, and it, it's made worse by this social media idea of friendship, which is not really friendship often. What makes someone a true friend? I don't know if you've ever thought of it. What makes someone a true friend? How can you be a good friend? I think we all would agree, maybe you wouldn't, and, and it's okay, you're, you're free to be wrong, and hopefully I'll change your mind, but we would all agree Friends are a good thing. Friends are a good thing. They are a good gift from God to us. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a difficult time. The other day in Publix, I was checking out, and there was a song playing on the radio. And I was just singing along without even really thinking about it. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long until you're going to need somebody to lean on. And I'm singing, the lady's like, keep going. I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. We need friends. We need friends. One of the ways we talk about that at Cross United is authentic community. That's just a fancy way to say we need good Christian friendships. People we can trust. We need people who are with us and who are for us. In our lives, and praying, and we're praying together and for each other. The beautiful thing about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the same gospel that brings us to God and reconciles us to God and forgives our sin and gives us eternal life and frees us from our guilt and our shame as we look at Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. We, we, when that frees us from our shame and it reconnects us to God, it reunites us to God, it also reunites us and reconnects us with other people. The cross restores our friendship with God, and it also gives us the opportunity for true friendships with other people, true friends who are not just friends for their own sake, but are friends for the sake of Jesus' mission in the world, to make disciples of all nations. And in this last paragraph of of Ephesians, we've been in Ephesians for a long time. We started in fall and then we took a couple months off for Christmas and the New Year and then we've been so we've been in Ephesians for a long time. We started way back in chapter 1 and even before that we started in Acts 18 and 19 and looked at the pre-story, the 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 backstory of the book of Ephesians. And then next week will be our last message in this series as we look at the epilogue 30 years after the letter is written in, in Revelation 2, we see the, the church of Ephesus, the, the Ephesian church, come back into the picture. But here we see in this last paragraph of Ephesians that there was a man whom Paul trusted as a true Christian friend. His name was Tychicus or Tychicus and he was a man who was originally from near Ephesus and maybe was from the church of Ephesus himself. And now Paul, he's been this missionary theologian pastor for 25 years. And at the end of his life the reward for his service is prison. It was his not uh, he, he was not ex- living his best life. For you know, this is he's prison at the end of a life of serving Jesus, and his retirement plan was house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial from Caesar. And he can't go to the church at Ephesus, and so he writes them this letter. And he needs someone he can trust to take this letter, because they didn't have, they didn't have like Roman postal service. They had to be entrusted to someone who would take letter where it was supposed to go, who would be willing to go, who would be willing to travel and would be trustworthy enough to bring the letter where it was supposed to go. And so he writes this letter and he sends it with this man, his friend, Tychicus. And in this example of Paul and Tychicus and Paul's care for Tychicus and Tychicus's care for Paul and their mutual care for the Ephesian church, we're going to see 10 characteristics of Christian friendship, 10 characteristics. Of Christian friendship. Number one, Christian friends should be more like family than friends. Look at verse 21, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother. There have been studies that have shown that in the ancient world, the brother, sister, or the brotherly relation was the tightest and most intimate relation in society. Now, most of us would say, that our family is more important than our church, because you might say, well, we can switch churches, but we can't switch families. And that's true. But at the same time, I think the culture of Christianity in our world, in our context, in our society, has made us feel like church families are disposable. And we have lost something of the deep covenantal nature of being a part of a local church. Now, we all switch churches, and I'm not saying you can't switch churches. I am saying, though, that the church should be more like a family than just a random assortment of people. If you think about someone in an Islamic context, they don't have the luxury of saying that their family is more important than their church, because their church is their only family once they come to Christ. The church is going to be our eternal family. Our nuclear family will not be our eternal family. The church will be our eternal family. And I think recovering the nature of Christian friendship as more than just acquaintance, but a covenantal fellow membership and deep ties of love is something that Paul sees happening in the life of his churches and in his relationships. Now, now, you shouldn't be a cult, right? So you call a church that's too closely knit together, you call that a cult, right? So that's bad, all right? There's a problem with that. But on the other hand, there's like the buffet mentality, consumer mentality, where it's just sort of like hopping around. I think we need to recover the, the covenantal nature, the family nature of Christian friendships and the Christian church. That your Christian friends should be Like family, more than just like casual acquaintances. Uh, Number two, Christian friends should be trustworthy. Look at Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant. Tychicus is mentioned five times in the Bible. I think we have these verses all here. First is Acts 20, verse 4. He was. There it is. I found it. There, right there. Uh, he was accompanied by Sopater, son of Purus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby; Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. This is referring to the Apostle Paul. Next, we see him show up in the book of Colossians. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. Colossians and Ephesians were written by Paul at the same time, and Tychicus probably carried both letters to both churches because they were close by. It would be like carrying one letter to a church in Pompano and another letter to a church in Deerfield. They were close together. We see him here in uh, 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy. Demas, this is Paul at the end of his life, Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and he's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful for me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And he's talking here about the, Tychicus bringing the letter of Ephesians to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus. Now, what you need to understand, he's writing this to Timothy, who is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And what he's saying, I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus in order to relieve you for a season so that you can have a break and come and see me. So he trusted Tychicus to be a person who would not just carry the letter, but would take the leadership of the church for a season so Timothy can go see Paul. And then finally, uh, in Titus, last verse is in Titus. Verse uh, 312, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis. Now, Titus was a pastor in another part of of the Mediterranean, and he's saying, I can send Tychicus to you. So Tychicus was the guy, he was like the ultimate substitute teacher, pastor, that Paul would send to guys so that they could have a break, they could go have relational connection to Paul. He was a man who was trustworthy he carried five letters that Paul wrote, Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, 2 Timothy, and Titus, and relieved two of Paul's protégés in the faith, Timothy and Titus. And no wonder he's called a faithful servant. Church history tells us that later, Tychicus became a bishop or a pastor in the church. He was faithful in little as a a conveyor of the letters, and then a fill-in pastor, and then he eventually was entrusted with more. You need to be the type of friend that others can trust, the type of friend they would trust with their house key or their credit card or their kids. Number three, Christian friendships should serve sacrificially. Look at verse 22. I'm sending him to you for this very reason, To know how we are, to let you know how we are, and to encourage your hearts. He was willing to go. Tychicus was willing to go where Paul sent him. He was willing to sacrifice his plans for Paul's plans. He was willing to sacrifice his time for Paul's time and the Ephesians' time. He gave up something for the sake of his friends. A couple of years ago, uh, Selena Gomez went silent on social media. It was in the summer of 2017, and it was a little bit mysterious. And then I, I was on pins and needles personally. I just what is <laughs> happening with Selena? Uh. Um, I Actually, I, I only found this out last week in my sermon research. Oh. Um, It turns out that she came out after and said that she'd actually had to have a kidney replaced and that her friend, the actress, Francia Raisa, donated a kidney so that she could live and regain her health. If that's how friends treat each other in the world, how much more should Christians demonstrate sacrificial service for their friends? Number four. Christian friendships should focus on the great commission. Look at verse 22, I am sending him to you. I am sending him. The great commission is to be to be the great commission is to be sent. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. God has given us life and peace And joy and friends in Christ, not just so we can be happy and feel good, although we will be happy and often feel good, and life will be better in Christ and with Christian friends, but He's given us this for fellow soldiers in the battle against spiritual darkness. As we saw last week, we are at war with powers and forces that we cannot see. Christian friends are not just focused on each other, but on expanding circle of friends. Christian friends should have real and true friendships with one another, and they should also be seeking to cultivate real, true friendships with people who don't know Jesus, and showing them the love of Christ. We talk about here finding life like God intended. We talk all the time about how God has designed us for abundant life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. And there are three things that you need in order to experience and to know the fullness of life like God intends you to have. The first is wholehearted worship and a relationship with God. The second is authentic community and real Christian friendships. And the third is joyful mission and living God's purposes out in the world. So often we think we just need the first two. If we have relationship with God and if we have community, friends, and family around us, we will be satisfied in life. But it is not true. Until your friendships are not just face to face and inward and turn outward in the mission of Jesus, you will not experience the fullness of life that God has for you. If your your spiritual life and your relationships are dry. Or struggling or stumbling, maybe it's because one of these things is missing. Worship, community, or mission. Christian friends are focused on the Great Commission. Number five, Christian friends are encouragers. Christian friends are encouragers. Look at verse 22, I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are, and to encourage your hearts. The Greek word for encouragement is parakaleo, which means to call along. And it's this picture of coming up next to someone and putting your arm around them and saying, hey, you got this. I'm with you. You're not alone. You can do it. God is with you. And speaking life and hope and peace and joy into the life of another person, into the heart of... uh, And and maybe it's just a guy thing, but us guys, we're really good at at the love language of sarcasm. We're really good at joking with each other as a way of showing affection, and there's a place for that. That's actually my primary way of communicating. But I think we also need to move beyond that to a more mature sense of being just next to someone and just speaking life into their heart and being an encourager, to literally just put courage into their heart this summer, we want to, I mentioned earlier, we want to, to cultivate and use the summer to cultivate these sorts of friendships in our church. And so we're going to ask, I'm asking for you to consider and pray about opening your home one time this summer. We need three families to do this one time each, June, July, and August, depending on how the dates shake out, so that we can just get together outside of Sunday, grow together, fellowship together, you know, just... Christian friendships in our church. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Uh, you can just talk to me. You can email me however um, Christian friends should be encouragers. Number six, Christian friends should show true care and concern. I, and then I here we see in verses 21 and 22, just that Paul is fully aware of the Ephesians' situation. And he sends Tychicus so that they'll know about him and so that he can encourage them. And he cares genuinely about how they're doing. He cares about Tychicus. He cares about the Ephesians. And Tychicus and Ephesians care for Paul. You have to think what Paul is, he's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. He's in prison. He's awaiting trial. He's got churches all over the world that he has connections to, and yet he is concerned about this one church in this one place visited by this one friend. I, I mean, I see you all doing this time. I'm preaching to the choir, helping one another, offering one another rides, watching kids, asking how someone's doing, showing genuine care and concern. That is a mark of Christian Friendship. Number seven, Christians, friends, communicate with each other. Look at verses 21 and 22. He will tell you all the news about me so that you'll be informed, to let you know how we are. Communication is essential to relationships, and it's essential to Christian friendships. Tech, it's just, you know, it can be as easy as a text message. How's it going? Sharing what's going on, responding initiating and responding. Studies have shown that we actually speak about 16,000 words per day, 16,000 words per day, with up to like 15 people, depending on our social situation, work situation, that sort of thing. But that 80% of those words, 13,000 as 16,000, 80% of our words are shared with five or fewer people. We need... Christian relationships and friendships that have communication, that we share, truly share what's going on. And that takes time to develop and trust to build. You lean into it. You share a little bit. And if someone shows themselves trustworthy, you share a little bit more. And you let someone in. C.S. Lewis has said, Uh, To love it all is to be vulnerable, to open yourself up to the possibility of being hurt. But it's worth it. Communicate, be honest, share. Number Christian friendships are filled with Christian virtues. Look at all these in verses 23 and 24. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who have an undying love for Jesus Christ. Peace, love, faith, grace. These, these themes fill the letter all throughout. Grace is mentioned 12 times. Peace is mentioned seven times. Love is mentioned nine times. Faith is mentioned nine times. Now here we see something interesting. Look at what he says. Peace is the first word of the, 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 the concluding. This is like sincerely. But Paul's a lot more spiritually attuned than you are. So he didn't just write sincerely or blessings or grace. He wrote this whole thing. This whole benediction, this good word of blessing for the Ephesians. And the first word is peace. Now look at Ephesians 1, 2 in the greeting. Grace to you and peace. And then so we so we go back uh, to verses 23 and 24. Peace and grace. And then back to 1, 2. Grace and peace. So here we see the book. Ends. The very the, the, the greeting, grace and peace. And then the conclusion, peace and grace. This means that grace and peace bookend what Paul is trying to communicate to this church, and that peace itself is at the center. All throughout the letter, he talks about peace. The gospel of peace that reconciles us to God also reconciles us to one another, regardless of differences of age, economic situation, ethnic heritage, political opinion. Gospel that brings us peace with God brings us peace with one another. Peace, love. Love is the way of the triune God. God the Father loves God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And this love pours out in in creation as he decides, I want to create a world that will know me and, and be able to experience my fullness and my joy. And then that world falls away from him through sin. And he says, I love this world so much, I'm not going to leave them there. And he sends Jesus, his one and only Son, God the Father, sent God the Son in the power of God the Holy Spirit to reconcile us back to himself all from fullness of love because of his great love, chapter 2, verse 4, that he, which, with which he loved us. He made us alive together with Christ faith, trust in God and His Son, Jesus. All of these virtues are at the heart of Christian friendship. And here's the thing that Christian friendship and Christian friends offer one another that non-Christian friendships never offer. True peace, true love, true faith, true grace. So I just want to challenge you to suffuse Kids, that's one of your words you heard today. You don't know what it means. Suffuse. It means to soak or saturate or to fill with your Christian friendships with these Christian virtues. Number nine, Christian friendship is surrounded by the Trinity. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, there's not the Trinity there. I don't see the Holy Spirit. Well, let me ask you this. Where do peace and love and faith come from? They come from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. How? In the person of the Holy Spirit. Christian friendships are surrounded by the Trinity. Number 10. Christian friendships are centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. It says that grace flows to everyone who loves Jesus with all of their heart, in a way that cannot be taken, destroyed, or corrupted. Undying love means something that is pure, it is primary, it is best. Is that the way you love Jesus? Is your love for Him your first and best? Is your affection for Christ higher than your affection, your love, your care, your concern about anything else? And this is a challenge to us because often, if we're honest, the answer is no, it's not. Grace be to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind. Real Jesus you love. He says, who is the real Jesus? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is not just a man, he is the Lord. The Old Testament name for the Lord was Yahweh or Jehovah, the one true and living God, Lord of armies, Lord of hosts. I was just reading in my Bible reading this morning, 2 Samuel 7, the name of the Lord, Lord of armies, Yahweh, Jehovah, Sabaoth, almighty creator. This is Jesus Christ. Lord. He is Jesus, a true man, and He is Christ, the promised Messiah, the one who was promised from ages past to come into the world to save the world, the true Son of God, the anointed one who comes to save the world and to save His people. Here's the thing about Jesus. He is better than anything that is competing for your love. He's better than anything else that's competing for your attention. The problem is you're looking in the wrong direction. So, here's the thing. We kind of do church a little darkly here. It's very, very dark in this room. We try to get a little more light to try to keep the atmosphere. But you know what happens when you when you go out of this room outside? Your eyes hurt because the sun is so bright. The reason you are not thrilled with Jesus is because you're stuck in dark room, looking at little things that don't matter. I love Lauren Daigle's new album, and the last song on the album is this beautiful rendition of the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Listen to this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's not that Jesus isn't great, it's that you're not looking, you're not paying attention. We're only captivated by the things of this world because we're not looking at Him in all of His glory. We're stuck in a dark room thinking that that's all there is when there's a whole bright, glorious world in the presence of God. Love Jesus with an undying love. There's a warning here. We're going we're to see it next week. I'm going to give you a little preview because in Revelation chapter 2, the Ephesian church did not heed the warning. In chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, it says, reclaim the love you had at first. Paul said this because he knew. He knew the Ephesians were prone to knowing the truth but not in the Lord. And they fell into it. And God's grace in his grace he sent them another letter 30 years later, that we're going to look at next week as we close this series. Will you heed the warning? Do you love Jesus with an undying love? And is your are your Christian friendships saturated, suffused with that? use that oh schools out for the year. I know already for some of you. But use that in your next class with teachers and they'll be very they'll be very impressed. Kids. In the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks plays a man who's stranded on an island. He works for FedEx, and his plane crashes and he washes up on this island in the South Pacific, and he lives off the, lo- the, the land, and he lives off all the debris from the island. And one of the things, probably the most famous part of the movie, is what? Wilson, Wilson the volleyball, right? So he finds this volleyball and he puts this, he gets this handprint on the volleyball that sort of looks like a face. And this volleyball becomes Tom Hanks' companion on the island. He talks to this volleyball, Wilson, because it's a Wilson branded volleyball. And he ends up cutting out the, the, the top of it and putting like grass in for hair. And the most famous part of the movie is what? He's out in the middle of the ocean on a raft trying to get away from the island to find someone who will find him and rescue him. And there's a storm. And what happens? He wakes up and Wilson is gone. And he's, Wilson! And I remember watching it. And afterward, I had a friend who was really sarcastic. He goes, am I the only one who was like, this guy's yelling about a volleyball, isn't it? Because it it was a companion to him. We can't live, he could could live, he needed food, he needed provision, he needed shelter, but he also needed a friend. And you are the same way. You cannot live without deep Christian friendships. You cannot survive alone. So I just want to ask you, what step toward Christian friendship are you going to take today and this week? How do you need to respond? Let's pray. Lord, may we cultivate deep Christian friendships that are suffused, that are soaked, that are filled up with your presence and your power and your love and your grace and your joy and your hope and, and, and your peace, genuine care, genuine concern, sacrifice, family. Lord, may you cultivate these sorts of friendships in our lives and in this church Through the gospel, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.